don't have to like everything we say. You don't have to listen to us. Dear Shammer, I love the show. I especially love the stuff on communication and rapport building, and I need your help. I work with four people. I am surrounded by four people that are toxic and insecure. One's a boss, two are co-workers or peers, and one is a subordinate. I'm looking for some help here on some ways to work with them, get communication across, build rapport so we can be more successful here on the job. I like them as far as what they do at work. They know their jobs well, but they're kind of crappy people. So anything you can tell me would be helpful. That's what we're going to talk about. Toxic and insecure people. Rapport building with what sometimes seems like the worst of the worst. Right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight. You know, this got me thinking, one thing I've never talked about is the type of people that we end up having as sources or have to recruit and what they're like and what their personalities are like. I got a couple other emails I'm going to look at here in the future that have to do with things like communication or persuasion. I really think about rapport building. But these people aren't the greatest people. I mean, some of them are, they're dirtbags or they are toxic or they're insecure and you got to try to build them up. Like in a way you got to run approaches on them to change their mood or, or what they're doing or to encourage them. It can be a lot of work. Some are over eager. We talk about that a lot. I've talked about it. A lot of people do, but it's the negative ones, the bad ones, the ones we wish we didn't have to work with and how to deal with them. So there's a few ideas about this to look at and understand. Part of this too is understanding kind of the idea of what makes a person toxic or insecure. It's a very subjective thing. There's plenty of stuff you can read on it. There's plenty of psychological jargon out there. There's all kinds of articles. I'm sure there's some self-help stuff out there. Things I look for and, and can be found in the workplace, of course, are, you know, when people are too concerned about what others think about them to the point that it almost cripples them, you know, they, they don't ever express a firm opinion or they always, they, they can't make a decision even if it's completely innocuous and they go back and forth. It could be this, it could be this, like to the point you just want to strangle them. It seems like some of them are controlling in nature. They try to change the direction of conversation just to control it for no reason. Or if you're in a meeting or working on a project, they want to change the whole direction based on what they want just so they can be heard or be in charge. And and those types of people that are toxic are typically also insecure about it because they don't feel like their contributions are being noticed or being accepted or that they can't make any. Some of them will put people down. I mean, like as guys, a lot of guys, we give each other a hard time and say these things that a lot of people can't believe how horrible they are when we're really close friends. But what you're looking for there is 
no matter how they do it, but especially when it's passive aggressive, that usually is what stands out. It's what they're putting people down, but it's the purpose of it is to make themselves look good. Like as a kid, we always said, oh, they put themselves down because of how they feel about themselves. Like, no, when it's clearly obvious that they're putting somebody else down to explain their own importance. Yeah, you did this and that's why it's failed. But if we did it on my way, it went like this, that kind of thing. That's very toxic. They also are people that will be unavailable when they're actually available, talking about how busy they are when they're really not. The, the idea is to show that they're important and in demand, even though they're really not, and it makes them feel better. They don't they don't want to enhance their own insecurity by helping because that makes them available. They want to be the unavailable guy. Some of them sell paranoia or give it away, basically making people question what they're doing. A lot of it can be done through gaslighting. Gaslighting is a term that's overused now. Um, most people don't even look up what it is. It's used incorrectly. Gaslighting is very simple. Somebody's trying to convince you something happened that did not, or they're trying to convince you something did not happen that, in fact, did. That's gaslighting. It's very common in that situation. So one of the things to do, that these aren't just my suggestions. There's a lot of resources out there, but here's some things I have done to really work with people and to get through to them or use pieces of this. Part of it's really looking at how big the problem is, not how big we feel about it. So think about the number of interactions you've had with this that you would call negative and, um, versus how many you've had that were not negative. It doesn't mean they were positive. It could have been completely neutral, but you want the negative versus everything else. And then when you look at that, that helps gives you an idea how big the problem is. So there's the real size of the problem based on the number of interactions, and there's also the real size of the problem based on how it's making people feel, including you. That can help you kind of get perspective to balance out the idea, unless there's some real serious personal attack of how you should feel about this. And if it is a really, really big problem, but you feel like it's not that big of a problem, that's showing you that several possibilities of things that could be things like you're not really considering it for what it is. You're not paying enough attention to it, or perhaps you're handling it better than most people. Then we want to look at what, what causes it, if we can find them. So when we're looking at the negative sides. What were the topics that were happening? Is there a consistency among topics, discussions, or situations in which these conversations were happening, and these actions they're taking? And, and how did, if it's just you and that other person or anybody else included, how did you each express yourselves? How, how did you talk? How were you emotionally um, conveying the information? Were you getting upset? How were you getting upset? Were you not? Were somebody being dismissive? Those are important to identify because you're not at fault here. This other person's at fault, but you want to look at your own behaviors and behaviors of others and see how you might be contributing. Are you contributing? Are you encouraging? Are you allowing things to happen by doing nothing? It's similar to some of the ways people discuss looking at, say, problems in a, in a romantic relationship. The other thing, too, and one of the harder ones it can be for some people, I skip this most of the time. I can usually make this happen without it because it's not my thing. But you want to, of course, plan ahead in your mind. But part of it is having compassion, even if you have to convince yourself you have compassion by having a lot of basically positive thoughts and their best interests in mind and focus on it all the time to where it's almost distracting you from everything else until it becomes real. And I, I hate that, but I know it does work for some people. But things to help you do that is to re- kind of remind yourself on who they are, who they are in the way you're not looking at there. You know, that's somebody's kid, that's somebody's mom or somebody's dad or somebody's brother. You know, what picture you got to put on it to realize that, you know, if that was my so-and-so, 
would I think this way about them? How would I feel about somebody thinking this way about them? Something along those lines may help you. I don't do it myself, but you never know. However, investment of time is what's going to help you. It's the one thing we don't want when we're around these people. We don't want to spend any time with them, but investing time, whether we're scheduling it or finding a way to make it happen where we can be around them. And it will take a lot. If they're insecure, it'll take a lot to get them to open up. And if they're toxic, it'll get, get, get a lot to get them talking about things other than what they want to focus on. It's uh, kind of a one-on-one time. And you want it to be casual. You want to use it as a way to get to know them. You don't have to make it so obvious. Be like, oh, did you watch the game last night? Something simple to get them involved in conversation. One of the ways to look for the opportunity to do this is to find out that quite often these people are not included. When they're toxic, they're excluded on purpose. When they're they're just insecure, they're usually not offered inclusion. But in both situations, they'll kind of pay attention to certain casual conversations. Note what those are and use those as a way to get them involved. Don't try to draw them into the group in either situation. That's putting them on the spot and will be negative. Separately on your own one-on-one, give them time to focus on you. And remember, this could take, these could be short little things, and this could take a long, long time to get them going, but to get them a little more open. The other thing is you want to not get discouraged because every time you try this, it's not going to go anywhere a lot, even if it does sometimes. It's kind of like when I talked about we'd go in and work detainees and try to build rapport. Like it was a constant thing. This is a constant ongoing thing that you have to do that you're putting conscious effort into. And when you communicate to them, even if you start to have discussions about different things, especially out, uh, you know, non-work related, you want to be very transparent in communication. So I've kind of, I thought about doing a whole show on this, what I'm about to say, but look at it this way. There's three ways to communicate ideas. One is there's things that I know I'm certain about. There's things that I believe, but I'm not really certain. And then there's things I don't know enough about to have an opinion. And if we can honestly break things down in that, we can learn how to communicate them in those ways and then use that as a way of which ones we want to bring up to a person and why. Because sometimes using the student-teacher ideas, I don't have enough information to have an opinion on this. Maybe you can help me out. That's a good way for rapport when it works, if it, if it gets the person talking to get them going, especially in just a casual work conversation like this. The ones we tend to have that cause the arguments and the issues and all the stuff are things I believe but I'm not certain about, but we try to sell them like I'm certain and we get angry. Something else to look at is uh, what we would call is uh, mutual solutions, working together. So whether it's ideas or things at work is ways to have ownership, especially with those that are insecure. They need ownership of it. So it's not just crediting them where, where it's due, but to get them to actually help and work together on a team, even if it's with one person. If they're insecure, they might just be an introvert and not really that insecure. They may not be comfortable around large groups of people. And that's where the one-on-one thing can be more helpful sometimes. The other thing too is doing it in increment trial periods, these conversations. This is one I had to look and find to think about the work thing, aside from what I've done is being like, hey, uh, we're gonna do this thing for say three months. And what we'll do is at this one time every week, we'll take a look at where we're at as, as we build and use that kind of as a gauge for our progress and see how we need to adjust things in the future. And you know, if we don't meet the goal, that's okay. That'll give us a better way to structure it next time, but let's, you know, let's work like that. And that gives them a short period of time. It gives them a time to work on it. 
there's a definite end game, end, end game, end time, no matter how it works out. There's also a review process that we're going to do this together. And, 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 you know, you try to use situations, especially if they're insecure, get them to kind of lead it if you can. The, the idea is to show them that you're not a threat. You, you want to be the ally, not the rival. So this is where you don't want to overuse compliments. You want to use them where, where needed to show proper appreciation, express the gratitude. And make them realize on their own that they like um, they like being around you, that you like learning from them, you like working with them. These are just a few ideas you can try. They'll take some time, of course, but it's a, it's a difficult situation. I mean, this is why, <laughs> my God, when we, when we do interrogations, there's some people that do interrogations in places where if you could talk to a guy twice in a month, that was a lot, like at the theater and tournament facilities. And those guys could be impossible. You might only get four hours with them. You know, we were doing guys up to 20 hours a day, uh, you know, for two, three weeks if we wanted to or longer if we got to keep them. Uh, pros and cons to all, but the point was, it's like a brick wall, man. I mean, whether they hated us, whether they're just toxic, maybe they were scared, maybe they're insecure. There's more things than just the two you're dealing with. And you might find that there's some of those there. Some of those people might be compelled to be there for some reason, whatever your job is that you're not thinking about or not realizing they don't want to be there. Some of them are having just bad things in life. Some of them are scared. You know, they're not toxic or insecure. They're just scared. That might be it. You know, and stuff you see in TV shows and movies where you point it out to them and explain it to them and all of a sudden they get angry, but then it magically works out. I would avoid that at all costs. The, the idea is to show them who you are and allow them to discover what they're capable of. And you can get positive change out of that. And it'll be good for you too, especially if you approach it the way I would explained it. Starting out by looking at everybody's role and not just blaming the other person. It's Things have gone really wrong if one or more people are getting together talking about a bad person at work and only blaming them and taking no responsibility. They're ignoring a lot of possibilities there. You may find out that this person that's a jerk literally is doing it because of one thing that happened one time, but it also just might be the personality. There's times people don't even realize what they're doing and how bad it is and how it affects other people. And if it's not your job to approach them and shake it out that way, that's why you don't want to do it. That's why the, the whole movie idea, you don't, you don't want to pull that card. You want to use your role to the best of your ability to try to influence them positively by showing them who you are what you're willing to do, and through that, perhaps they'll find some discovery and things will change, and this will take time. It's not going to happen immediately. It's probably not going to happen in less than a few weeks.